You're listening to the Table Church Podcast. The Table is a community in Orville, California that aims to follow Jesus by doing what he did. Love God, love our neighbors, and serve those in need. Find us at thetablechurch.net, Instagram, or Facebook. And now for the message. We are wrapping up our series today. Eight weeks. It is over. A failing forward. If you have any questions or answers about anything uh, that has pertained to this topic, I'd be happy to answer them as best I can. Or if I don't have an answer, we can figure that out throughout the week. But essentially, we've been using this quote to start things off from Taya Cohen from Carnegie Mellon, talking about how failure, we're afraid of it because it gets to the root of what we think about ourselves, and it inspires shame. And shame is our identity. It's not I did something bad, it's I am bad. And so we try to avoid failure because we try to avoid those feelings of shame. We've gone through Isaiah and David, Samson, Elijah, Peter, and the two sons in the prodigal son story. Isaiah's failure was that his actions did not match his words when it came to the truthfulness of who God was. David's failure was that he had forsaken his call to be a shepherd, and instead took up a call to arms, a call to be a warrior. Samson's failure was that he secretly hated his holiness, his uniqueness, the thing that kept him close to God. He despised it and wanted to be like everybody else. Elijah, Elijah's failure was fear and short-sightedness, thinking that he was the only one left in his fear that he was the last one, and everything was on his shoulders. Peter, his, his failure was of faith, that when he saw Jesus, he was courageous, and when he didn't see Jesus, he was cowardly. And lastly, the prodigal sons last week, they had a failure of vision. They only saw God in part, and their inability to see God all the way impaired their own understanding and self-identity. So we've gone through a lot of failures, but we've seen God show up in mighty ways through each and every one. Today, I just want to give a summary of failure, of the things I've been chewing on as we've been going through this series, hoping that it's short. I hate to promise that. At least the amount of slides we have is significantly less, but we might start waxing eloquently and then we're in trouble. The bad news for today, as a summary for the whole uh, series is that our fear of failure actually leads to failure. That this fear actually impedes our forward progress. We got scientific studies that talk about it. Hope of success gets dwarfed by our fear of failure. We actually, we actually our hope of succeeding, our hope of moving forward gets diminished and fear gets the primary voice in a lot of ways when we are overwhelmed by the sense of failure and a sense of trying to avoid it. So fear of failure, I would say, and has been said, I'm not inventing this, has killed more plans and more dreams and more creativity than failure ever has. Our fear of failure kills those things more than failing ever has. I know this is true for me. I got a lot of things I wanted to do that I don't do. I can only fit three pictures on this slide. I'll start with, I, I would love to be a rock and roll star. And by rock and roll, I mean like soft acoustic folk. But you know what I mean, like a traveling musician. Man, 
That just like, I love it. You know how many books I've started? I've got 15 that have started I've never finished because of all the things, right? Do you know how bad I am at construction? This is a remodel picture. I don't even start projects because I'm so afraid of getting into it and just living like this for the rest of my life. The fear of failure has prevented me from doing a lot of stuff. I could just go through the list, but these are the ones that I thought would be the the least vulnerable. And so I'm sure that's true for me. It's got to be true for you. And we have the scientific evidence that just says that this fear of failure can overwhelm us to the point that succeeding just doesn't even seem worth it. And so that fear of failure kills so many things. But there is good news. There's good news in the midst of this, as we have seen through each one of these stories, the way that God has showed up in these people's lives to redeem, to restore to bring to a new place, a new vision, a place without fear or hesitancy. You know how we preach here, head, heart, hand, something for us to know, something for us to experience or feel or grow in, something for us to do with our hands. And as I've been chewing on this series, uh, the thing that has been helpful for me when thinking about fear is in the realm of our own faith. We can fail forward because our faith begins in failure. This thing that we're all here trying to do begins in failure. It begins in admitting that we've completely failed as individuals, as humans. I got three verses for us to be chewing on. All have sinned and fall short of God's glory. The word fall there is also can be failed. All have failed, fallen short of God's glory. If we claim we have never sinned, 1 John tells us, we make Jesus to be a liar, and his word is not in us. Jesus came into Galilee, and his first words in the book of Mark are, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Our faith begins in the recognition of our failure, in the recognition that we can't do it on our own, in the recognition that we need something outside of us to push us forward. Jesus' followers, in my mind, should be the first to embrace failure because your faith begins in failure. It's the beginning of this whole journey towards Jesus. Confession, repentance, admittance, We have failed, and we need healing and a Savior. So I would hope that we would be the first to embrace failure, to to embrace humility, to embrace uh, recognizing that we can't. There's a a college uh, in Oregon called Reed College, and they have this thing called uh, Ren Fair, and by all accounts, it's pretty wild. Uh, one account that I read was from Donald Miller in, in Blue Like Jazz. He said, they bring in security to keep the community police away <laughs> so that all the students can do all the drugs 
and have all the sex and get as drunk as they can. It's a, it's a college-sponsored party, and it gets wild by all accounts. I don't know. I wasn't there. I'd never been. Okay, twice. No, I'm just kidding. I've never <laughs> And they put up booths, all kinds of booths, and they said they create screens so that people could have their mushroom trips and, and, and enhance it through all kinds. And, and, and the schools, this is part of the thing. And so um, as I was reading Donald Miller, he talked about that, that there was a group of Christians on campus, and they, they kind of wanted to let people know, but they were a little afraid because things were pretty progressive, and, and it seemed like an unsafe place to be a follower of Jesus. But they, but they felt convicted that they needed to let people know that they followed Jesus publicly. And so they were going to do it at this fair. And they, des- <laughs> they decided they needed some kind of booth to let people know that they followed Jesus. And Donald Miller, the author of the book, said, we should create a confession booth because there's going to be a lot of sinning happening and people need a place to come and confess their sins. And he said, I said it as a joke. Uh, but the group said, this is a great idea. Let's, let's create a confessional in the middle of this that people can come to. But they flipped it. This is from the movie. The movie was not as good as the book, and I don't rarely say that. I think movies are usually better than books, y'all. I know. My, listen, my di- now we're off topic, but movies are two hours. Books take me two weeks. Like, I, can, I got it. I got it. You know what I mean? Like, I... I get it in two hours, but um, the movie was not nearly as good as the book. Uh, so they created this confessional in the middle, but they flipped it. And what they said was that instead of having people come and confess their sins, they, as followers of Jesus, would confess their sins to the world. Sorry, we've made a mess of Jesus. Sorry, we haven't followed him as well as we should have. Sorry, we've let all kinds of things corrupt our faith. Sorry for the evangelical preachers on TV that are just trying to get people's money. Sorry for the way that the church has baptized and sanctified violence in the world. That was their plan. They built the booth. As the fair was coming, they all got cold feet. They didn't want to do it. They thought it was a bad idea. But as soon as they finished the booth, this kid named Jake stepped in. And Donna Miller sat with him. And the kid goes, I'm here to confess my sins, I guess. Isn't that what we're doing? This is the game we're playing. I got to confess some sins to you. And Donna Miller said, well, kind of. But I'm going to confess to you. And he said it was real uncomfortable. And everybody involved was really uneasy. But by the end of it, there were tears. There was a confession of failure on our part as followers of Jesus. And he ends this way, Donald Miller in the book. He says, Christian spirituality, good night, begins by confessing our sins and repenting. All of the people who visited the booth were grateful and gracious. I was being changed through the process, and I think those who came into the booth were being changed too. Our faith begins in failure, in admitting our messiness, our sinfulness, 
our rebellion. And so my hope is that we can embrace failure because it is so integral to what we're doing here in this following of Jesus. I would like to add that remorse is good and we should have some remorse. But remorse is often looking to the past. Repentance, the thing Jesus commands us in Mark, is is turning to God. And so when we embrace failure, or when we say that we are embracing failure, in this context, it's about turning to Jesus in the midst of this failure. But ultimately, at the end of this point, if faith is birthed in the admission of our own failure, we can be confident that Christ will use it to help us fail forward. What does God want us to feel? What does God want us to experience? What kind of character growth or something about our identity? What, is, what am I pulling away from this series? Is that failing forward happens when we let failure refine us, but not define us. It goes back to that thing about shame that we talked about. Guilt at least according to Brene Brown, right? guilt is saying, I did something bad. Shame is saying, I am bad. And so failure is our ability to flip that. We can let failure refine us without defining us. I'm thinking about this passage from Romans 5, which I love and quote regularly. Not only that, Paul says, we even take pride in our problems. Because we know that trouble produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and this hope does not put us to shame. The process of failure helps us move forward to a place without shame, without saying, I am bad. We can embrace the problems because it leads to forward progress in Jesus. All that because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. There's a process of embracing failure, but not letting it define us, but simply refine us to let the Holy Spirit bring us about to the kind of person that God wants for us. Reminds me of Michael Jordan. His journey, this is him as a sophomore. I didn't know this. He was number 23 even in high school. Good for him. He just carried that all the way through. And the story is is that um, there was one spot open on the varsity team, and he was a sophomore, and he wanted it. And he showed up, and he was 5'11", and he was scrawny. And they said, sorry, kid, too little, too scrawny, too short. You can't play varsity. And his, his like best friend was like 6'7", and he made it. And he tells the story often, because if you watch the documentary, the man loved some drama. It compelled him. He needed to invent situations of hatred to keep him driven, but that was too far. In this story, we'll, we'll soften it up a bit. But he went home, he said, after he didn't make varsity, and he said, the first thing I did was lock myself in my room, and I cried, which I feel that. That feels real. And then he said, I got to work. I started working out. I started bulking up. I started shooting free throws forever, forever, forever. Then I grew four inches, which is not anything we can all do. But uh, 
<laughs> and he, he crushed. He did great. He's got this quote that he told a reporter. Whenever I was working out and I got tired and figured I ought to stop, I'd close my eyes and I'd see that list in the locker room without my name on it. He let failure refine him, not define him. Here is a commercial from him from 1997. There's missing pixels. Missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life. And that is why I succeed. 12 year old me would is pumped. So excited seeing that commercial. But just saying it out loud, I mean, obviously to sell you some shoes or whatever, some basketball shorts. Uh, but the sentiment's true, that he's failed a ton. I mean, easily the second greatest basketball player there's ever been, and he has failed a ton. But he didn't let it redefine him. It didn't let it hold him back. It didn't let him keep him in his room. He let it refine him to bring him to the place where he got to uh, that day. Number two, greatest of all time. That's a joke, everybody. <laughs> Proverbs, the passage that ends the video we had, says, the righteous may fall seven times, but still get up. To me, in my mind, this is a, a verse about failures ability to refine, right? not define. We are not who our failures say we are. At the end of the day, we are who, who God says we are. And God says that you are forgiven, and that you are a new creation, and that you are more than conquerors to him who loved you and loves you and calls you. Failure may be inevitable, but it is not all-powerful. God can and will and promises to use it to refine you, to bring you to the place where God wants you. What does God want us to do with failure? Uh, for me, the thing that's coming out of this is if we know failure is the beginning of our faith and failure is a refining process in the hands of Jesus and not a defining process, then I think what I've been trying to communicate, at least to myself, is that we should embrace, embrace failure as fundamental to forward progress. Not fear it, embrace it. As I said many times, it is a powerful tool that God uses for healing, health, and growth. We should embrace it when it comes our way. The passages I was thinking about have to do with just this. First Corinthians, Paul says, I'll gladly spend my time bragging about my weaknesses so that Christ's power can rest on me. Peter says, rejoice when you share in Christ's sufferings. Jesus says, oh man, blessed are you when people 
persecute you and they say all kinds of things that are bad about you and they drag your name through the mud. He says, the first command of Jesus in Matthew, the first command, the first thing he tells you that you have to do is be full of joy and be glad at the presence of persecution, setbacks, of people trying to do you wrong. Embrace. We are encouraged to look at these as occasions of joy, to embrace uh, failure as it comes our way because we know that in the hands of God it is a refining tool. We know that it brings us to a place of humility which God honors. Albert Einstein may or may not have said, <laughs> failure is success and progress. I looked for an hour last night for the source of this quote. I don't bring, I, I do my home, I try not to bring you quotes that are unsourced. I went through every page of Google, <laughs> 10 of them. I could not find the source of this. So he may or may not have said this. I'll be honest, it feels like he didn't. But the sentiment is so true that people had to put somebody's name on it because they wanted to give it credibility, and I think the sentiment is true, whether or not Einstein said it or not. But there is a quote that I am absolutely positive is true, Yoda says, the greatest teacher failure is in Return of the Jedi. Right? Somebody back me up, Star Wars. The Last Jedi? Dang it. I'm only a fake fan. The greatest teacher. We can embrace it because it has something to teach us. It has something to show us. We can meet it head on. Uh, because we know that in the hands of Jesus, it can be used for incredible good. Sorry, this is grainy. Edison was trying to figure out how to make batteries. Because in the early 1900s, cars were all electric. And so they needed good batteries. And so Edison was working, working, working to try to find some nickel-iron batteries. They were supposed to be good, but he had a hard time figuring it out. By the way, after he figured it out, gas and the production of gas got super cheap and everything switched over to gas power. But at the time, cars were battery powered. We may have heard the quote that Edison uses multiple times, right? That I've simply figured out 999 ways of not doing something. And so I spent an hour researching whether or not he really said that. And he does say something like that. I found it. Uh, his, one of his close friends who wrote his uh, biography, was last name Mallory, said he came in and he saw him working on these batteries, these nickel-iron batteries, and he said, isn't it a shame that with the tremendous amount of work you have done, you haven't been able to get any results? Edison turned on me like a flash, and with a smile, he replied, results? Why, man, I've gotten a lot of results. I know several thousand things that won't work. Edison later went on, 20 years later, to confirm that that story was real. And in his confirmation of the quote, he said, we learn a lot from our failures if we have put into the effort the best thought and work we are capable of. This is a man who embraced failures, wasn't afraid of them, saw them for what they are, the ability to help us move forward, 
a learning opportunity, a great teacher, as Yoda said in The Last Jedi that I learned just now. Setbacks are short-lived. And in the hands of our Savior, setbacks are set-ups for steps forward. Following Jesus, we don't have to fear failure. We can see it as fundamental to our growth and progress. Amen? Questions, comments, ideas, insights. One, one quote, one text. The failure to find the source of that Albert Einstein quote is success in progress. See, we, we proved the validity of it by failing in it. I love it. Beautiful. God, with our heads, wants us to know that our faith begins in a failure and admitting our own inability to save ourselves and admitting that we are sinful and rebellious and that we need a Savior to heal us and guide us with our heart. What God wants us to know about our character and our growth is that failure has the ability to both refine and define us, and we need to, by the power of the Holy Spirit, limit its power to define us and let it simply refine us in the hands of Jesus. And lastly, with our hands, Jesus wants us to learn to embrace failure as a fundamental way forward for progress and growth in Christ and in the world. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you. I thank you for the series. I thank you for the multitude of stories in which, we, in which you have showed up for your promise that you will not leave us or forsake us, for your empathy and knowing that we are flawed and broken and messy. And it's often in the mess where you meet us. Help us to keep our eyes on you. Help us to constantly turn towards you, to hand you the failures and the brokennesses and the issues and the sins and the weaknesses that we have that you could take these and turn them into something beautiful. Not only are we asking you to do it, we need you to do it. We recognize here now that we can't do it and we are dependent on you to take the mess and make it beautiful. As we come now to this time of communion, would you meet us here as you promised you would? That it would be a time of confession. That it would be a time of repentance, of recognition, that we need you, that we are broken and sinful, that we have failed, and we need your grace and your love and your Holy Spirit. And we will be careful to give you all praise and thanks. Table Church, will you finish the Lord's finish this prayer with me by saying the Lord's Prayer? Saying, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.